40 years of walking with the Lord uh, and, and rereading, and I was reading the book of Hebrews again and looking and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, and my eyes being opened to um, have a look and see what the scriptures are saying. And I remember years ago, um, Kenneth Hagin would say to us, does it still sound a bit echoey or is it just me? Okay, cool. Um, Kenneth Hagin um, said to us, he said, you need to have out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the word be established. And so you can't build a doctrine on one scripture. You've got to have at least three, two or three um, scriptures that are supporting what we believe, and then we can start to have a doctrine. And so I wanted to go into the Word and I wanted to have a look, Old Testament, New Testament, because we are in the New Covenant, and have a look and see what the premise is that we have to go before God as judge and to have uh, Him outwork the judgments in the earth. And so, um, you know, how do we know? How do we know what belongs to us? And how do we know anything that in the Christian life is we need to go to the Word? We need to go to the Word. How do I know that I'm an heir of God? Because the Word tells me I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. How do I know that I'm delivered from Satan? Because God told me that he's delivered me from the powers of darkness. And he's now transferred me into the kingdom of his son. And so I've got scripture here that's not man-made. It's God-breathed. And God says that heaven and earth is going to pass away. But my word will not pass away. God says, I've exalted my word even above my own name. And so we can take this word as a legal document, and, and lawyers we have in, the, in, in our congregation, we take this as a legal document, and we can go before God as the judge, and we can start to speak and declare what God has said about our lives. And so last week I actually said that, Paul said that one of the most important things that he was praying for the church was that they had knowledge that they have knowledge on the hope of God's calling for them. What has God called you? That you need, we need knowledge, that the riches of this glorious inheritance and the exceeding greatness of God's power, which is towards us who believe. And we spent time last week looking at our authority uh, and, and God's plan and God's purpose, his position for us. He's given us a place and he gave us a position. And um, God said that he'd crowned us with glory and honor. He put all things under our feet, that he's given us to have dominion. He created us for dominion. That's why we want to rule. That's why there's something in you that wants to be in charge. God put it in there. And so we find out, and I don't want to preach last week's message, but we found out that Satan came to challenge God's word, and he was after a position, and he was after the place that uh, Adam had. And Adam, we find, committed high treason against God, handed his position and his place over to Satan, who became the God of this world and can legally operate in this world. Because you see, God gave the authority of the earth to man for a period of time. We believe it's 6,000 years, a lease, an earth lease. When the earth lease is up, Jesus Christ is going to come back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's going to be a thousand year rest for this earth. And he's going to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. But until then, Satan is legally allowed on the earth, in this earth. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the spirit that works in the sons of disobedience. He's the God of this age. And Jesus says that we've been given authority over him. And so we need to look at that and we need to totally understand that. I mean, I know that the word in our inheritance is not all about devils. 
But we find in the New Testament that Paul preaches a lot about our authority in Christ and overcoming the devil. You'll find very little scripture in the, in the Old Testament about the devil. He's referred to in Genesis 3. He's looked at and, and referred to in Jer Jeremiah 4, where he made the earth a wilderness. Um, and then he's looked at and, and referred to in um, Isaiah 14. And then again in Daniel 10 and Ezekiel chapter 28. So there's a few references to him in the Old Testament. Uh, but the teaching about our authority in Christ and our authority over Satan is, is mainly in the um, New Testament. Why is that? Because under the Old Testament, they didn't have authority over him. They had to stay in the word and the word of the covenant and the law as well as they, as long as they obeyed God's law, they were protected. If they got outside the law, the serpent would come in and they would get stung or bitten or whatever would happen. And so in the New Testament, you find the letters to the churches that Paul preached and taught that we have authority over Satan. And so we need to know that and understand it because he's looking for a place. He has not changed. And the book of Job is another one where he, and, and, and um, not book of Job, yes, book of Job. And even in um, Zechariah, he was also there as well. But you find that he was looking for a place. And remember when God the judge said, where have you come from, Satan, in the book of Job? He said, I've come from roaming through the earth and looking. And what does it say then? It says in another scripture that we used uh, last week where we found out that um, um, Ephesians 4, chapter 27 says that give no place to the devil because he's roaming. And so he's looking for a place. And I said last week that the, that word place is the word topos, where we get topographic map. You know, we get the topographic maps that you see in Google, etc. He is looking for a place because you see he's a spirit being. And he needs a body to operate through. The same as God is a spirit being. And he needs bodies to operate through. You see, once you and I die, we're no longer allowed to stay on the planet. We have to leave here. Our authority on the planet is the body that we live in. We were made from the dust of the ground. And God breathed the spirit of life into us. And so our operation on the earth is because we have a physical body here. And Satan is limited on what he can do on the earth unless he finds a body to work through. God is also limited on what he can do on the earth unless he finds somebody that will yield to him like um, Abraham, like Moses, like Joshua, like Daniel, yielding to him and they can change nations. And so there's this war that's going on, principalities and powers, Rulers of darkness that are trying to take a hold of our, our, our earth, our families, our governments, our nations. And if we allow them, Jesus said, whatever you allow will be allowed. Whatever you permit will be permitted. And so we are the spiritual police force on the earth. And we need to be taking our covenant, which we're going to look at in just a moment. And we need to be executing on him the judgment that's already been written 2,000 years ago. And if we don't execute that, then guess what? Satan's coming in to steal, kill, and destroy. And just like Elizabeth said, there's things going on in our schools right now, and that is strategic. Satan is trying to start to train the next generation and to decimate them with disgusting philosophies that have got nothing to do with God. And so we need to stand up as the church and be the light that is on a hill. Praise God. And so with all that introduction... What I, <laughs> what I liked about Robert, uh, Robert Henderson's teaching on the courts of heaven is that it takes the legal, it takes the legal aspect of our covenant with God. And that really helps me 
because we can go before God as our judge. Now, He is my Father. He is our Father. And He always will be. And so when I go to the boldly come to the throne of grace, He's my dad. And I will boldly come to the throne of His grace because that's who He is for me. But then I can step and say, Father, as the judge, I'm coming before you with your legal documents, the will and New Testament. This is my inheritance, and I'm coming before you, and I'm asking, or I'm declaring, or I'm agreeing with you. And so um, we can't come before him as judge unless we know what is in the covenant, unless we know what this legal document is. And so I want to spend some time this morning, having a look at the book of Revelations, and I've read Revelations chapter 12 again, and I'm so excited because I've seen some new things in there that I haven't seen before, and um, I'm really excited. I'm not going to preach about it now. I might refer to it, but really about end times and about Satan because we had been taught, and so I'm now questioning this. We had been taught that when Jesus died on the cross, that remember Mary came to him and the woman came to him and they wanted to hug him when they saw that he was raised from the dead. And he said, don't touch me. He says, but I haven't ascended to my father and your father. And so Jesus needed to take his blood and he needed to go before heaven to the mercy seat in heaven. And he needed to offer his blood as the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the world. And so he said, don't you touch me until I've ascended to our, my father and your father. And he offered his blood on that mercy seat. And then he came back down, spent time with them and ate and, and spent um, a period of time talking with them and talking about this new covenant. And so... This, I'm putting this out there to you, as we, we had kind of thought that once Jesus had gone before heaven and he'd offered his blood, that he'd cleansed the heavens, and that, and, and, and again, I'm sharing this with you because I'm not quite sure anymore now, I'm questioning, and we thought that the heavens had been cleansed and that Satan could no longer um, come before God, that, that those heavens were, were cleansed because of the blood. I'm now questioning that, and I'm, I'm looking at um, Revelations chapter 12, because in Revelation chapter 12, when I'm looking at this, and we'll, we'll read it, I can see that um, the church is talked about in the first chapters of Revelations, chapter 1 to 4, and then, and then you don't hear about the church because the church is raptured. And then the rest of the time in Revelations, it's talking about the last week of Daniel, which is seven years, which is called the Great Tribulation. And that is the dispensation of the law, and that's a whole new teaching there. And so the church is not there anymore on the earth. They come up here. And then it says here, and we're going to read it, when the church is gone, it says, then Satan is sent down onto the earth with his demons, and there is actually going to be great tribulation because he knows his time is short. And so I'm just looking at this now. I'm thinking, okay, because this scripture is saying that he's been accusing the brethren day and night, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Well, the Old Testament saints couldn't have used the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The brethren he's talking about here in Revelations has to be the church. And so if he, in, in the context, and we'll read it, in the context of Satan is accusing us before God day and night, the brethren before God day and night, and they, the brethren, overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto death. I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, hey, this cannot be talking about the Old Testament saints because the blood of the lamb had not been shed. Yes, they had, they had bulls and goats that they offered, but not the blood of the lamb, capital L. 
And so I'm thinking, this is interesting. And then when it said, and then Satan was kicked out of heaven with his angels, and he came to the earth to wreak havoc, for he knew, knows his time is short. Which I'm thinking, well, this could fit within the seven years of tribulation, because we're right in the middle of Revelations chapter 12, which is when the tribulation is happening. And so I'm thinking, okay. Um, because one of the questions we did have about the courts of heaven teaching is, how can Satan still come before God and accuse us? I thought that he'd washed the heavens and he can no longer communicate. So this was something that we had just kind of thought about years ago. And so I'm now questioning that. And if what I've just shared with you is the case, then Satan can actually stand before God and accuse us or try to. He's a liar. So let's get that straight. He's a liar, he's a thief, and he's a cheat. Uh, and whatever he's accusing us of, the word has got a better, a better voice. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning and actually having a look and unpacking this. And if this is, and I, think, I believe it is, a new a, a, a revelation that God has released into the earth through Robert Henderson, and God is building on what he's already spoken and taught the church, then I want to get on board with this totally, and I want to become very masterful about what we are doing in the spirit realm and not thinking, oh, well, he can't come before God now. Well, I'm just going to come from the premise from Revelations chapter 12 that actually he is, and I need to get on God's side. If God is the judge like we've learned in that Jesus is our mediator, he's our advocate, he's our lawyer, he's our intercessor. And so you have God here, you have our mediator who happens to be the king of kings, the lamb of God that's slain. He is the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. He is now speaking for us. And if we've got the accuser on the opposite side and he's bringing accusation, the person that is actually um, as I, uh, um, the, the one who is actually going to aside with God is going to see God's outcome. The one that is going to come under the authority of the accuser is going to see his outcome. And so let's have a look and let's just read this. And I'd encourage you just during the week to take some time to read Revelations chapter 1. Re Re Revelations chapter 12 and have a look at the context. I can't read um, chapter 12 verse 1 all the way through where you can see the whole context of end times. I'm only picking up in verse 7 here, and then we'll go on and um, teach on verse uh, 10 to, to 12. So Revelations chapter 12, verse 7 to 9. And war broke out in heaven, and, and, and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. And so this is where we maybe years ago thought, okay, Satan's got no place any longer. But this is revelations in the end time book. <laughs> and so this could be happening or about to happen right now. Because right now Satan is restrained. We are not seeing everything that the earth is going to see in the, in the tribulation. We are the restraining force. In fact, here's another thing. In um, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, where Paul is dealing with end time teaching in those books. And he says that, um, he says that what is restraining him, the Antichrist, from doing what he wants to do on the earth right now? And Paul turns around and he says, he says that he that now lets 
will let until he get taken out of the way. We are the letting, we are the, whole, we are the force on the earth that is stopping the Antichrist and stopping Satan from doing what he wants to on the earth. But as soon as we are taken out of the way, then the devil is gonna, have, is gonna be hell on earth. And we're gonna see God's judgments, Old Testament judgments like God judging um, Egypt, those 10 judgments that came on Egypt, we are going to, we're going to be looking from the balustrades of heaven, looking down, and we're going to be seeing this incredible fight going on the earth. Powerful stuff. So war broke out of heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, where did he get that authority from? From Adam, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Verse 10 then goes on to say, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of the brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. Verse 11, and they, let's just read that again. Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our father or before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. Verse 12, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows his time is short. Now, doesn't that put that in the context of end times and the seven years of tribulation? Woe to you in the earth. Woe, woe, woe. The three woes that they talk about in Revelations and their judgments and all kinds of stuff that's going on during the tribulation. And so there is something that's happened. Satan cannot be revealed, Thessalonians says, until we have been, de- until we're departed out of here. The Antichrist, sorry. So look here. And they overcame him, the dragon. You know, these words need to jump out at us. They overcame him. When a statement like that is made in the Word of God, I want to know, okay, I want to stop and I want to look and think, okay, well, how did they do this? How did they overcome him? And we ought to be asking that question. They overcame him. What does it say here? They overcame him. How? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto the death. That's how we overcame him. That's how we overcome him. Now, it's talking in the past tense because we're out of there now. They overcame him. Let's have a look at this. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. I want to have a look at these three areas. By the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony, and they loved not their life unto death. I want to break this up, and I want to have a look at this because this is what we need to be walking in this end-time victory, being the glorious church without spot or wrinkle, um, exceedingly magnificent, bringing in everything, all the harvest of nations that God wants to see. So they overcame him, number one. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. You see, we need to know what the blood of the Lamb has done for us. 
We, now, we know, and, I mean, and, and anyone can say, well, yes, we know that the blood of the Lamb has forgiven our sin and purchased eternal salvation. We know that, and we're grateful that we are heaven-bound. We're not going to hell. But the blood of the Lamb has done more than that and is doing more than that. And so I want to go to have a look at the Word, and I want to have a look at some Scriptures, and let us see what this blood is doing. The blood of the Lamb, did you know, is speaking? The blood of the Lamb is speaking. Blood speaks. Remember God said to Cain, the blood of your brother Abel is speaking. It's crying up from the earth. It's crying up. And so blood speaks. And the blood of the Lamb is speaking on our behalf. Let's have a look at this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24. It says here, but you have come, and this is our, and, and in fact, the book of Hebrews is, the writer of the book of Hebrews is really comparing Old Testament covenant with New Testament covenant. And it's a debate, and it's a, it's a, a presentation of two covenants right throughout this book, um, from the old to the new, coming from Mount Sinai, where the law was, to Mount Zion, where we have come. And so he's just speaking here and saying, you weren't in Mount Zion where there was fire and vapor and everybody was afraid and, and, and they feared that they were going to die in the presence of God, all that kind of thing. It says, you're not come to that mountain. It says, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the great assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, here we go to God, the judge of all, New Testament. To the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, our mediator or advocate or lawyer. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So he is the one that is mediating, bringing this to pass, this new covenant. Then it goes on to say, look at this. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things. So this blood is speaking. It speaks better things than Abel, which means we've got a better covenant than all of the covenants that have gone before us. It is speaking. It has spoken for us and declared we're not guilty, and it is speaking today, right now, on your behalf. This blood is speaking. And so as I sort of said, that, that, that word, but you have come, is a, is, a, is a conjunction. And basically it's comparing, as I said, the Old Testament covenants with this new covenant. The, bl the blood of bulls and goats couldn't wipe and cleanse us, but the blood of the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. And so let's have a look at this verse 22, where it says, but you have come. You have come. We're not, got, we're not trying to come to this place. We have already come to Mount Zion and to the city of God, to God who is the judge of all, who's on our side, and he's already judged us not guilty, to Jesus, the mediator of new covenant, and to the blood that is speaking. And so I want to just take some moment and have a look at this. If we carry on reading, in fact, let's just jump down and we'll carry on reading in um, verse 25, because this is interesting when I was looking at this and I was thinking, God, your blood is speaking for me. Your blood, God's blood, is speaking on my behalf right now. It was poured out to cleanse me and it's speaking for me right now. 
And there's a warning in the book of Hebrews that Paul, if he was the, uh, uh, the author, is warning the Hebrew Christians. They were Jews and they had become Christians. And he's warning them and saying, listen, guys, you need to know what this blood is saying. Because if you don't know what this blood is saying, he says, you are not going to experience everything that it has. In fact, he goes on to say, here, look, let, let's read verse 25 instead of me trying to tell you. Let the word tell you. T tell us. It says, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. It says here, for if they in the Old Testament did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who is speaking from heaven. Can we read that again? Because you know when Moses, he brought down the law and he, he brought deliverance to them out of, out of deliverance, out of Egypt. And he brought them out of Egypt by powerful signs and wonders. And they complained all the way. It would have been a 10, a 13, well, a 21 day trip from Egypt into the promised land. But because they complained and they murmured and they spoke against Moses and they spoke against God. And they said that they'd much rather go back under bondage than come out into the wilderness and come into the promised land. They didn't believe God. Even though they saw these 10 powerful signs and wonders that decimated the Egyptian empire at the time. And Egypt has never recovered from God. God's judgment on them over 4,000 years ago. And they didn't take into account, they refused to believe of the man of God who was Moses at the time, who was speaking. And Hebrews says here, if they refused to believe and they did not escape, how much more if we don't take a hold of what God has done and we don't choose to believe and start speaking like God is speaking, we are not going to escape as they didn't escape, they all died in the wilderness. And this is not God's judgment, and this is not God trying to put fear on us. He's just trying to say, hey, listen, guys, have a look. Find out what this blood is speaking on your behalf right now. Let me read it again. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they, the Old Testament children of Israel, did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks in heaven? Why will we not escape? Because we're handing ourselves over to the accuser of the brethren who wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. Where is our covering? The blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. Loving not our life unto death. And so let's have a look at this. In fact, let, let me read another scripture here. And... Um, the word is amazing. Hebrews chapter 2. We go back to the beginning, one, chapter, um, verse uh, 1 to 3. It tells us this, that we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast and every transgression and disobedience receive just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And so this is kind of, Serious, this is kind of important that we understand that this blood is speaking for us and we overcome the accuser by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And so what is this blood speaking? Let's have a look. Number A, the blood is saying that Christ has disarmed principalities powers that are ranged against us. Let's read that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 in the Amplified Version. It says here, 
that God disarmed the principalities, these demon, devils, and powers, which is the exousia, which is their authority, that was ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them, triumphing over them in him and in the cross. So that's what the blood is saying for us right now. Right now. Now you look at this word, I love it, disarmed. The word disarm means to completely strip off. Satan has been completely stripped off of his authority over us. Now look, I'll read it again. So disarmed, completely stripped off, thoroughly renounced. This is language that needs to come from our spirit and understanding. Satan, you have been completely stripped off. You have been renounced. That's what the blood is speaking and saying. That's what I've done. My blood poured out has completely stripped him of authority. And, it's, and this is straight out of Strong's. The double prefix, which is the apo and the x, um, it says here strongly emphasizes the depth of the renunciation. So there's two prefixes here that is strongly emphasizing this is just not renounced. It's renounced. <laughs> it says this renunciation, the stripping off, right off, is very emphatic. And so we need to understand that the blood, what the blood is speaking right now. Because what happens is we've got God the judge here. We've got Jesus as our mediator, who is the high priest, who's offered his blood and allowing this blood to speak. You've got the accuser saying, but look at them. And he's accusing, he's bringing before God lies, deception, and words that we've spoken about ourselves. And he's accusing, he's accusing. But if we take a hold of this word and we see what the blood is saying on our behalf, he has nothing on us. He can find no place in us. You know, Jesus said, and I was going to read this at the end, at the end scripture. He said, look, he said, I, I, I need to go right now. He was going to be offered, offered um, and he was, he, he was going through some temptation. He says that the devil is coming, but he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. And that's where we need to come to, church, where Satan can come. But he can find nothing, nothing in me. And when we have the word of God living and abiding in us, and we know who we are, we know what the blood has done, he can come and he can accuse and he can do whatever he wants, but he can find nothing in us. The glorious church, without spot, without wrinkle standing before him as sons of God and all the authority where Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also and greater works because I go to the Father. That's the dream of our heavenly Father. Sons on the earth. Jesus was the first begotten and now there's many begotten sons in glory and you and I are part of that incredible great number. But we need to understand the scripture. And so for the record... Satan has been completely stripped. And so I'm just thinking, in fact, we'll get to this next one here. And, and I'm excited about this. <laughs> the, blood of, the blood of the lamb is speaking concerning our sin. What is it saying? 
Let's have a look here at Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Amazing in the Amplified. Having cancelled and blotted out, wiped away the handwriting of note with its legal decrees and demands, which was in force and stood against us. This is what the blood has done. And the blood is speaking and the blood is saying, I have cancelled and blotted out and wiped out the handwriting of note with all the legal decrees, the demands, which was in force um, and stood against us. This note, with its regulations, decrees, and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of the way by nailing it to the cross. Now, I would encourage us as the church to grab a hold of this because this declares forever that our sin has been completely blotted out and wiped away. So if the accuser is going to come and visit us and say the sins of their forefathers are visited on the children to the third and fourth generation, I'll declare that my generation starts with Jesus Christ. And every sin and every iniquity and every transgression has been blotted out and canceled and wiped away. And God wants us to come boldly to the throne of his grace. Boldly before him as judge, right in front of the accuser, and speak that word. We're not standing in our own righteousness. God gave us his righteousness. Jesus was made to be sin with our sin, and we were made to be righteous with his righteousness. It's the greatest transaction that ever took place on the earth. He didn't commit sin. He was made sin. We didn't commit righteousness. We were made righteous with his righteousness. And so when the accuser comes, he's coming and accusing. And if the accusation gets through, it's because we don't know our covenant. We do not know the legal decrees that God has now made and living under the old, and living under the old creation, and Satan is coming in and killing and stealing and destroying. But when we see the scripture like this, I'm thinking, my God, that you have done this. The blood is speaking, and the blood is saying, I canceled. What are they, what, what, what's going on on the earth with these people? I've canceled their sin. Any addictions, you speak this over your body. Addiction's got to stop. It's got to drop off you. It has no place. Our body is now the temple of God. God dwells inside us. This temple is holy because God made us holy. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit of covenant. My life is hid in Christ and God for Satan to come near us. He's got to get past Christ and God to get to me. Isn't that right? And so Satan tries to come, what are you talking about? My life is hidden, Christ and God, come on. You lost 2,000 years ago. You can't touch me. I'm the temple of God. It's amazing. It's wonderful. You know, I woke up this morning and I had a splitting headache. I was vomiting and everything was happening everywhere. <laughs> And I'm thinking, <laughs> put myself back to bed for five minutes. And I thought, what's that about? 
My body's the temple. Get up and lift your hands up. That hang down. I'm not submitting to that. My body's this temple. Move on and get up and out of bed. Put your lipstick on and away we go. <laughs> All is well. So legal transactions that have taken place. 2,000 years ago, my, our father planned this. Before the foundations of the world, it was all set. Look at this. In fact, let me just say, the legal, I put here, the legal transaction that took place in heaven when Jesus was on the cross, all of this scripture. When Jesus offered his blood, the blood spoke back then, and the blood is speaking now. And so when that blood was offered back then, the judge was in heaven and he ratified this blood and declared that once and for all that the earth is clean. This is why we walk by faith and not by sight because you look and you think, my gosh. And this is why you walk by faith and not by sight with your own life because you see this memories, there's old habits, old things that have been placed in our mind. There's just the memory of it that's left that we need to renew our mind. And that's what Paul said, renew your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for your life. When the mind is renewed, we're going to prove all this. We'll have proof. We'll be living proof before the world. Paul said, you are letters read of all men. The earth's right now waiting to see us, revealed as the sons of God, which the scripture talks about. Let's have a look at this one because this is marvelous. Number C, the blood speaks and declares that you are incorruptible seed. We are a new creation. I love this. 1 Peter 1.23, fresh eyes looking at this. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, this is important. This is really important because the accuser is going to come. You know, and you know how like Robert Henderson was saying, he's looking for accusation. And we know, like Paul says, that Satan is roaming the earth looking for somebody to devour. And if he looks at our bloodline and thinks, oh, yes, this one was an alcohol, this one was a thief, and this one was... And, and I like what Robert Henderson said, that Satan, you know, that a curse can come down to the third and fourth generation. The blessings of God come to a thousand generations. But a curse in the Old Testament could go down to the third and fourth generation. And, and, and so Satan doesn't have an, a, a, an endless accusation that he can make. So he only has it to the third and fourth generation. But then I'm looking at this scripture here and I'm thinking, I was born again of incorruptible seed that lives and abides forever. And so, then another scripture here in 2 Corinthians 15, it says, though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet we know him, no, yet we know him there no more. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. And so if Satan tries to come against you, with or me, with accusations from our third and fourth generation, we have scripture right here where the blood is speaking and saying, no, 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 they have now been born of incorruptible seed. Our heritage is Jesus Christ. We want to go back there where we can go back to Jesus Christ as a new creation. I am not going to receive any curse 
coming down from a third or fourth generation on my family line. I just made a decision based on this scripture here and based on 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and 16, which is not in your outline, which says, though we have known Christ after the flesh, Paul says, we don't know him after the flesh anymore. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. So we have a legal document here that states that we are a new creation. And when we take these scriptures and not go witch hunting for our part, from our past, but take a hold of this scripture and if accusation is coming, and even if you see habits or things from a family line that are trying to come down, like, you know, things like a poverty mentality or a fear mentality or whatever it is, you know, there's, there's certain character traits that you may see in the natural that, are, that, are come, that have come on down, and they are real, but we have the Word. We have the Word, and we go before God, before our mediator, and before Satan, and we thank you, Father God. I'm of God's stock. I'm God's stock. I'm God's stock. If there's anything coming down, it's coming down. Miracles are coming down on my line. Dead are being raised. The deaf are hearing. The blind are walking. The blind are walking. <laughs> yes, they are. The blind are seeing. And now they can walk. <laughs> the lame are walking. Yeah. Why don't we take it and turn it over to Satan? For a lack of knowledge, God says, my people go into captivity. A lack of knowledge, my people go into captivity, God said. But we gain knowledge like that and understand how we're going to work this legal system before God. We're coming out stronger and stronger, more powerful, more glorious, with more authority. And praise God. And so do you see that? Another scripture, which again, and we won't go into this one here, but the blood of the Lamb, He has qualified us. This blood is speaking and saying they're qualified. You know, Satan tries to, uh, uh, tries to condemn, and people are living, Christians living with condemnation. And yet the Bible says there's no condemnation for us. We're in Christ Jesus. We're not trying to get qualified. He qualified us. The blood, the blood of the Lamb qualified us, and it's speaking and saying we have been qualified. It's already happened. And so that's what the blood is speaking. They overcame the accuser by the blood of of the Lamb, the blood that is speaking on our behalf right now. You know, the word says that Jesus is our intercessor, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for us right now. What is he praying? He's praying the release of the knowledge of his blood, what the blood is speaking on the earth, our authority in Christ, our inheritance in Christ. So they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Let's have a look at this. The word of their testimony. Now this word is interesting. The word testimony means witness, evidence given, report in a legal sense, testimony before a judge. Isn't that incredible? I never had looked, I hadn't looked that up before. And again, with all of this teaching, I'm revisiting stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if we're overcoming you with the blood, what is the blood? Well, the blood is speaking. And I need to agree with it. The word of my testimony. What is my testimony? 
Well, this testimony is a witness to what the blood has done. This testimony is giving evidence before a judge. What is my evidence? The Word of God is my evidence. The Scriptures, the promises, the new creation reality, that is my evidence. Father God, I'm coming before you as judge. And Lord God, I'm saying the evidence I have, which is according to your Word, it is written that you've blotted out, cancelled all record against me. I'm coming before you with that. That's my evidence. It's a report in a legal sense, testimony before a judge. How do we overcome? We're standing before the judge. And we don't have to imagine, I'm just standing right now. He's right here. And I'm declaring his word. What did Jesus do when the accuser came to him and tempted him day and night for 40 days and 40 nights? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that's what you and I are going to do. That's what we're doing right now. We're sharpening up with our covenant and taking a hold of the evidence, getting into the word and declaring what is written over our lives. And so the example of that is that, that as I sort of said, that Satan is patrolling the earth, walking around and looking for something to accuse. And then he can bring it before God, accusing day and night. He accuses us. And before God. And we're coming before God in our quiet time and just declaring. And Jesus is the mediator. The angels sees that the angels are in this in this in this environment. And we're starting to declare what God has said. You see, when Satan brings the accusation against us, God is the judge. So the accuser, if I'm correct, you have the judge here, and you have the accuser, and he presents his case. And then the judge is asking the, the, the opposite. He's asking the advocate or he's asking the mediator if they would present their case. The blood is speaking on our behalf. Jesus Christ is speaking on our behalf. God is waiting and Satan's accusing. What are they waiting for? God is waiting for you and I to have a testimony. And if we don't bring our testimony before this courtroom, then the accuser can have his way. Because you see, if we're not bringing our testimony of what God has done, guess what? We're speaking another testimony. That, you know, that there was this, 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 God, you know, this has happened in my family line, that's happened in my family line, I'm, I'm sick, I'm poor, I'm defeated, and there's a testimony. We can only, there's, there's only life or death in the power of the tongue. There's, no, there's nothing that's middle road. Life and death is in the power of our tongue, and whatever we love to speak, we will eat the fruit of it. And so if we're going to speak death and we're going to side with the accuser, then our life is going to have death right through it from depression, oppression, poverty, lack, sickness, short life, divorce, broken broken relationships, all of that stuff. But with life is coming out of our mouth where our testimony is agreeing with our mediator. It is agreeing, agreeing with the blood and God can just put a stamp down and uh, Satan is shut down. He left Jesus for a season when Jesus spoke the word. He left him for a season. And so the sad thing about it is many Christians don't know what's written. And so therefore, they're living by their emotions, living by what the latest 
stuff that's coming through the body of Christ, living by what is happening on the news, living by feelings, and yet we're told to walk by faith and not by sight. We're walking by the word and not by what's going on. And as we walk by the word, we're going to see things shift in our favor. The things like this, I've got an outline for you, and let me just read some of these things. So we come before him, we come before God, and we say, Father God, the blood of the Lamb is speaking. My testimony, my legal testimony, what is it saying? My evidence, my witness, my report before you is that, Father, you have justified me freely by your grace. You've given me the gift of righteousness. I have peace with God through Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm born of incorruptible seed. God's redeemed me from the curse. I've received the spirit of adoption. I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm called to be a saint. I'm seated in heavenly places. I'm complete in him. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I've not been given a spirit of fear. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Nothing can separate me from your love. Your love is shared abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I reign in life by Jesus Christ. I have all authority that's been given to me and nothing shall by any means hurt me. Jesus Christ has become my wisdom from God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That Lord Jesus, you're my advocate, my mediator, the one who ever lives to make intercession for me. That Lord Jesus, you'll never leave me nor forsake me. That Father, you've given your angels charge over me to keep me in all of my ways. That's just a few scriptures that God has done. We're bringing this as our evidence before God. This is our evidence. This is a legal document. The blood, this is what the blood is speaking in heaven right now for you and I. This is what Jesus is interceding for here right now for you and I. The Holy Spirit is our helper, our teacher. He's living on the inside. He is actually speaking this on the inside of us. And we come before God and we declare this. This shuts down the accuser of the brethren. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb that's speaking, by the word of their testimony that they are agreeing with what the blood is seeing, has said and is saying. And then the final one, if we just have a look at that, is that they love not their life unto death. They love not their life unto death. Now, if the accuser can come and do anything, he will look for our behavior and how we are living our life. And to be honest, it's time for the church to clean herself up. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're God's separated special people. And sometimes the lifestyle of the Christian world has a lot to be desired. <laughs> really, it really is. You know, when I came into the faith and we came into church, we wanted to remove everything, every stain, every remembrance of our old lifestyle. We didn't want it in our home. We didn't want to wear it. We didn't want to listen to it. We didn't want to read it. So books were in the bin. CDs were burned. Everything that reminded us of the old life was just put away. I have decided to follow Jesus. No looking back. No looking back. 
And there was, a ro- there was a move of God at that time that we just, just as a worship before God, just got rid of everything. I had this beautiful teddy bear, and he had a tartan on it. And I thought, gosh, that could come down from the Scottish curse, so I threw my teddy bear out. <laughs> now, I don't think it was a beautiful teddy bear. I often think of him. <laughs> God saw our heart. God saw our heart. We wanted to clear everything out, our CDs, our music, our everything was cleaned out. The way that we, we dressed was cleaned out. You know, I mean, for me personally, as a woman, I don't want to dress in a way that actually can hurt somebody else. And so I cover myself up a lot. Because I don't want to cause anyone else to, you know, to, any, any other thoughts except on Jesus. And so it's time for us to clean ourselves up. Because the accuser of the brethren can take down many believers because of their lifestyle. What are they watching? When, when, the, when, when King David says, I will put nothing unclean before my eyes. It shall not have a place in me. And I read that scripture. And I think, God, I will put nothing unclean before my eyes. Why? Because the eye is the gate into my soul. And so I will not put anything unclean before my eyes. People may think I'm extreme. I don't care. I like living with myself. I don't want to cast down imaginations and every high thing that is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And so when we came to Christ, we, we wanted to get so cleaned up, so far you know, so far away from the world that we were on this side. Whereas for me, I can see in the church at the moment that the church, many in the church are are so close to the edge that it's almost sin, but not quite. It gives an accusation. They overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto death. We're dying to the old lifestyle. We're dying to the old habits. We die to the stuff of the world, and we live under Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. That's how we overcome. That's how we overcome. And so I would encourage you, just as the band is coming, just taking these scriptures and letting, you know, everyone's walk is different. And, and, and everybody walks before the Holy Spirit and God and their own selves. And we all know where our, where our walk is with God. Together, we're believing and speaking the blood over ourselves. We're speaking the scripture. And then you'll walk with God. I don't want to lay a heavy on you in any way, but you, that's between you and, and, and the Lord. You know, God said to Joshua, not Joshua and Caleb, Joshua the high priest, uh, when they were rebuilding the temple. And one of those scriptures that God said to Joshua the high priest, he was unclean and the nation was unclean. And God said to Joshua, he said, if you will... Keep yourself clean from the world. He said, I will give you places. And we're talking a throne room. We're talking a beautiful, beautiful throne room where, God, where the high priest was in the Holy of Holies. 
And God was saying to him, if you will walk before me and you will be holy and you'll keep yourself, God says, I will give you places. I'll give you places to walk among these who stand here. And their places and thrones and principalities and there's incredible things in the spirit realm. And I just share with you, because I, I operate in, in deliverance and cast out devils. And I said to my daughter there a, a while ago, I says, there's some things that you may be able to do that I can't do. Because I want, there's places I need to walk. And there's authorities I need to walk in. And I can't touch some of those unclean things. It's not wrong for, for anyone else, but I can't. Because God has said to me, Vanessa, if you want to walk in these places, He says, you need to be clean. And you need to keep yourself clean. And if you will walk clean, I'll give you places to walk amongst these who stand here. And so there are places, there are authorities for us as the church that we need to be walking in. But we need clean hands. We need a pure heart before God. And so, Father God, I want to just thank you, Lord God, that you've, you've given us your word. You've given us your blood, Lord Jesus, that was poured out for us. Ushers, if you'd like to give out the, give out the um, emblems for the communion. And so, Father, we just thank you, Lord. Let your spirit confirm your word in our hearts with signs following. Let the sign be that the blood of the Lamb is honored in our lives and that we agree with our mouth, our testimony is agreeing with what you are speaking over our lives. In Jesus' name. And that, Father, that we offer to you ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And we will not be conformed to this world, but we will allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can prove what is your good, your acceptable, and your perfect will for our lives as the body of Christ the church on the earth in these end times. And so we want to thank you, Father, in Jesus' name.